Yep, it's Murphy Houston. It's Mile High Magazine. We thank you so much for joining us. It's time for our weekly update from Dr. John Douglas, who runs Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC, and he's got some questions he'll answer for you as we present more about COVID-19 in Colorado. Uh, Dr. John, how you doing? Uh, Murph, I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Had a nice Thanksgiving and uh, uh, looking forward to uh, uh, quiet, safe holidays and then getting some vaccinations going. Well, that's that's all a good hope, but it's just a crazy time. And here in Colorado, well, let's just give us the update on what's happening in Colorado. We know about we're in uh, the purple area and a lot of the metro county areas, but not the rural county areas. Is that changing now or what's happening? Well, let me just be clear, because I think the colors have been somewhat confusing. Uh, the metro, really the entire Front Range area is in the red, but not yet purple area. Oh, so um, okay. Red, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am confused. Red means that we've got a lot of reduction in community capacity. Um, it's not quite like being in total stay-at-home like last spring, which is what purple is, but it does involve some reduced capacity. Um, what we really want to do is avoid going into stay-at-home, where things are pretty much totally shut down. Uh, that was tough for everybody, businesses, mental health, um, all kinds of issues. Um, I'd say where we are right now, I feel... Um, uh, cautiously optimistic. I always say that, don't I? Um, meaning, and what that means is that for the last, now it's about two weeks, we've seen a gradual downward trend in our numbers of cases. Um, the number of hospitalizations is still high, um, but they're not going up as much as they were. That's good news. We still have historically high levels of hospitalization. And our hospitals are bursting at the seams. They still have capacity. They haven't been overrun yet, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room at this point. What worries me is that we had Thanksgiving last week, and we had more traveling nationally and probably locally than would have been advisable. We don't know <clears throat> whether the people who got moved around moved around in a safe way and, you know, went skiing and weren't in contact with people or whether they may have been in contact with people. The great fear is that we may have, as Dr. Fauci put it earlier this week when he had a press conference actually with our governor, is that we may see a surge upon a surge. So we've had a surge. The surge is dropping a little bit. I think we'll know by Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, whether or not activities over Thanksgiving have started us on that upward trend again. So uh, that's what I worry about it, is the surge on a surge and us seeing uh, even more record-breaking numbers of people getting sick, people in the hospital, people dying than we've seen before until we are able to get to the vaccines. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. In fact, I saw some of that press conference with Dr. Fauci, and he was he he was a bit of a doom and gloomer. And he's like you; he's pretty optimistic, but he he's worried, isn't he? Yeah, and Dr. Redfield, who's head of the CDC, sort of came out and said the same thing yesterday. Um, I think I think we're looking. I mean, Dr. Redfield put the time frame a little longer, maybe through the end of February, of being the worst, most. Uh, shocking public health experience this country has ever been through. Um, again, on the one hand, we're really extraordinarily excited about these new vaccines, but we realize that we have some really challenging days ahead of us. And, you know, being, uh, having been through this thing for, you know, close to nine, eight and a half months now, uh, 
people are, are tired. They're 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 weary. They they kind of know the right thing. It's tough to always do it. And honestly, there are so many people infected in Colorado. We think it's now about one in forty. That even if you're doing all the right things that work just fine in May and June and July and August and September and October, the, the, your your margin for error has just shrunk down to nothing. So we see all kinds of people who've been newly diagnosed that don't have any idea where they got it. They've been just as safe as they were the last couple of months. And, and that's all about the odds. The odds, if you got one in 40 versus last summer, it was one in 600. That's more than a tenfold increase. And that really makes a difference in terms of how you can get exposed and get infected. I mean, you've talked about it before. We've heard it mentioned. One in 40, you could run quickly out to the grocery store. You could have gloves on, a mask on, bump into somebody, picking up produce, and now you could be exposed. That's kind of how it works, isn't it? That's how it works. I mean, we we do think that it's, in general, takes several minutes of exposure but to, to be infected, but... It's important to point out that's just a statistical thing. If I've got it and I cough right in your face for one second, you've got a pretty good chance of getting exposed, even though it was only one second. So that 15-minute being around somebody uh, estimation is pure statistics. Um, And if you get get in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, with so many of us infected, and especially being indoors, uh, transmission can happen quite readily. Well, we hear so much about a mask, and I think people, I really do believe people are doing the best they can here in Colorado to wear a mask. But I'm more concerned now, because I don't hear much about it, is the touch factor. People aren't wearing gloves. And if you go someplace, yeah, you got a mask on, I'm going to be fine. But if you touch something that somebody with the COVID has touched, even if they don't know they have the COVID, they could be carrying it, you can get it that way too, can't you? You can, um, although I will say that was... That's how every respiratory virus is transmitted. So when COVID came along, we said, we know this must behave like others, and so we've got to be careful about that. And I think that's still a good advice. The touch stuff, because our hands unconsciously go to our nose and our uh, eyes, and we can we can transmit it off a doorknob or off a grocery cart that way. But, it, but all the evidence, Murph, really does point out that uh, respiratory transmission is, is really the major driver. So I don't want to ignore the hands and the gloves and this kind of thing, but I do want to say that I don't think they're as important as the respiratory thing. And and, and you're right, we're doing a, a, a quite a good job with masking, but I don't know about you, but when I go out, I'd say, you know, some sizable fraction of the people I see wearing a mask, they're trying to do the right thing, have got it below their nose or they've got it on their chin. Well, the yeah. chin is not a source of transmission, and if you if you aren't covering your mouth and your nose and covering it, you know, reasonably tightly, it's not really doing you very much good. So a mask, again, around your neck is a good intention, but it's not going to be effective unless you've got it pulled up over your nose and your mouth. Yeah, that's very important. I know that. And even if you've got a sneeze, sneeze into the mask, right? Absolutely, because really? the mask is it's going to get kind of grubby. And, you know, when you go <laughs> wash well, it out. And, you're supposed to yeah, wash them. That, that's yeah. why you have a mask. Yeah, wash the mask, or if you got those uh, other paper ones, you throw them out after a day anyhow. You're supposed to do that wearing one at a day, aren't you? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, vaccine is coming. What order here in Colorado? Who's going to get it first, and when's, what's the order of a presentation there? So we, we learned this week that the CDC's advisory committee on immunizations 
recommended what we've been thinking about anyway, which is that uh, healthcare workers ought to be first in line. Um, and that uh, second in line, the CDC says, ought to be residents in long-term care facilities, those frail, often elderly people who've been so devastated when you get an infection in your, in your facility. Um, we know that we're not going to get enough the vaccine right away to cover everyone. So we're going to be working with our hospital partners to figure out how to, to uh, strategically inoculate the, the, the very most high-risk people first. Um, those will be presumably our ICU workers, emergency room workers, respiratory therapists, although we will then try to quickly get to other healthcare workers as well. Um, we're waiting for the FDA to make its data review conclusion. We expect that may happen as early as a week from now, maybe even six days from now. We are told that as soon as the FDA makes a decision and authorizes an emergency use authorization, an EUA, that we're going to get vaccines shipped out to Colorado. Tri-County is one of the places that's got one of the cold freezers that will store it. And we'll store it for distribution to hospitals around the region so they can begin to inoculate their staff. If all goes well, the next week we may hear that the other vaccine, uh, the first vaccine is the Pfizer vaccine, the next vaccine is Moderna. They both are what are called RNA vaccines. We may hear that that one's been approved as well. And that's going to really in some ways double the flow of vaccine. Now, I don't think we're going to get through our healthcare workers and long-term care facility workers immediately it may take us through into January to get through that yeah. and then we'll start moving into other groups such as folks that are considered essential workers people in grocery stores teachers people in Amazon fulfillment centers that are having a lot of contact with the public then we're going to get to people that have got higher risk of getting sick people not in a long-term care facility, but people like me, I'm old enough to be, quote, at risk, or people with uh, various underlying illnesses. And then when we get through that group, hopefully we're going to have enough vaccine to supply, Dr. Fauci says, maybe by end of March, April, to start vaccinating the general population. So that's kind of how the playbook looks at this point. And that doesn't look too bad. I did hear a push, though, the other day, all these people that have been in the trials and those that received the placebo vaccine, and, you know, they thought they were getting the real vaccine, and I don't know what they thought, but they think they should be one of the first ones to get it because they put their life on the line to test this stuff. Yeah, I think there's a really good argument to be made for including them high up the list. I wouldn't put them probably as high up as the healthcare workers and long-term care facility workers, but I do think that um, they deserve to be included early in the game. And the Colorado model, by the way, those people are considered to be in the same category as people like me, over 65, or people with underlying disease. So they're up there. Um, they're just not at the very, very top. Well, they should be up there. I think they you know, took it for us a little bit to test it right away, and they should get a little help with that. Absolutely. We would not know what we know now if, if so many people hadn't rolled up their sleeves and done a really brave thing to help the rest of us. Yeah, amen to that. Now, I did hear Dr. Fauci say something that was kind of scary, too. And uh, Dr. John Douglas, by the way, from Tri-County Health, joins us again this week on No Copay Radio. He said that if at least 70, maybe 80 percent of the population does not get the vaccine, two-shot process, it won't make any difference. It won't help unless 80 percent of people take it. 
Yeah, so the way this thing works is we're trying to get to what's, what's called herd immunity. And that's, that's a concept that's been used in vaccine uh, planning. And the idea is that if you can get up to uh, a, a certain level, depending on how contagious a given virus is, even if some people haven't gotten it, the unimmunized part of the herd can be protected because the virus can't propagate fast enough. It looks like for COVID, that's about that number for herd immunity is different people estimate it different ways, 65, 70% or so. So if you have about a 95% effective vaccine, and sometimes vaccines in practice don't work quite as well as they do in clinical trials because this cold, the vaccines have got to be kept quite cold. And, you know, there are sometimes interruptions in supplies and the cold chain doesn't get maintained. So you, you discount a little bit for that. And I think that's where Dr. Fauci comes up with that number. Um, we do have some people, it's estimated in Colorado, maybe at least 15% have already been infected with the virus. Uh, the governor, for example, is going to be one of those people soon. He's going to recover and he'll have what we believe will at least be short-term immunity. I think the issue is we don't know how long the immunity after a natural infection will last. For many viruses, it's actually not as good as it is after a vaccine. And so those people will be recommended to be vaccinated, but that will actually help us get to that herd immunity threshold. Well, that's what we have to do, so make sure and plan on taking it. I'll be curious to see if people have any side effects from the first shot, if they'll come back for the second shot. What do you think about that? Um, I think that we we always worry about side effects uh, creating concern. I I think one thing we've got to continue to do is we message about this, and, and a lot of people in the vaccine trials have actually been saying this. I got a headache and I got chills and my arm hurt, hurt like hell, and I'm really glad because that means I got the real thing. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, and what all those things mean is your, your immune system has taken the bait and it's starting to process. And so on the one hand, hurting, you know, and having to even be in bed for a day, which is no fun, uh, could be seen as a bad side effect. On the other hand, it could be seen as, yeah, right on. My immune system's working. That's great. Oh, I I'm love on the right. I'm on the right trail. That's a good thing. Don't know how we do this without the, Dr. John Douglas from Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC. I know you're busy and you're working hard to protect us, and we appreciate that very much. Okay, Murph, great to be with you. Thanks uh, for including me every week. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll talk to you next week for another update. You're on top of it. We appreciate it. Thank you, Dr. John Douglas, Tri-County Health, formerly with the CDC. He's here every week to update the situation more close to home. You hear a lot of national stuff, but he takes care of Colorado pretty good. And thank you for listening to Mile High Magazine. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm Murphy Houston. We'll talk to you next weekend.